0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: This is my guys in the desert with Stormy Bonantoni on V-Send, the sports betting network.
2: Holy week 18. What a day we had in the NFL on Sunday. What a night ahead in college football. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We are up and running on a Monday. My guys in the desert coming to you live from Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas. A lot to cover in the next hour so let's get right to it starting with our top five stories things you need to know all eyes tonight are going to be on that CFP National Championship live from Indianapolis a Lucas Oil Stadium a rematch of the SEC title tilt between Georgia and Alabama UGA favored by three total 52 and a half splits we're seeing Alabama getting 61% of the handle 66% of bets 82% Percent of Moneyline wagers backing the Crimson Tide. Um, a lot of money going to the over as well. Understandable considering what we saw in that SEC conference championship game. 41-24, a shellacking of Bama against the Bulldogs. Kirby Smart said on Saturday his team is maybe the healthiest they've been all season. Not the same story for Alabama though. Big reason people are thinking that that number Favoring the Bulldogs is what it is. The biggest injury question for Alabama, the availability of corner Jalen Armour-Davis, who sustained a hip injury in the semifinal game against Cincinnati. They're also going to be without another starting corner in Josh Job, who broke his foot in the SEC championship, and of course wide receiver John Mechie, who has been their leader through the air. More on this game when the athletic Stuart Mandel joins us later on in the hour live from Indy. Two, the playoff picture in the NFL is set, and this is what I'm talking about. the city of Las Vegas was rocking last night with everything in the AFC final seedings coming down to Raiders, Chargers. Las Vegas ultimately beats the Chargers 35 32 to advance. But let's set the scene here a little bit because. It all goes back to earlier in the day when the Jags as 14 point dogs upset the Colts 26 to 11 eliminating Indy from playoff contention. This in turn opens the door for Pittsburgh to get in Steelers in overtime then beat the Ravens uh, as three point dogs themselves needing anything but a tie in the night game for a postseason berth and boy was this a sweat because we joked about all of this happening Last week, a tie would mean that both the Raiders and the Chargers get into the playoffs, but it nearly happened. They were tied at 29 at the end of regulation, retied trading field goals in overtime at 32. For sportsbooks, this would have been the most expensive tie in NFL betting history. They were on the hook for millions. The Borgata in Atlantic City, for example, saw the odds bet down from 50 to 1 to 11 to 1 because so many people were getting in on it. You can't win it if you don't bet it. We'll talk a little bit more about this with Vinny uh, Mayulo and Jimmy when they join us from the South Point um, craziness. Raiders, of course, end up taking the risk with a walk-off field goal, win it in overtime, knocking out the Chargers' Rich Basaccia saying after the game they were definitely contemplating the tie. But Brandon Staley calling that kind of wonky timeout late changed a little bit of the mentality. Speaking of Basaccio, what a job has he done? First time in 60 years, a team has made the playoffs after a midseason coaching change. Raiders will be plus six as of right now against the Bengals Wild card weekend. More on that in a bit as well. Number three on our list. There were also some major incentives and props to hit that Femi Bebefe, as he filled in on Friday. I know he told you about some of these that could hit some notable ones that did cash. Bucs tight end Rob Gronkowski needed seven receptions and 85 yards for a million dollars. Brady stayed in the game despite Bruce Arians trying to take him out to hook up his boy. Hit on both of those. Stefan Diggs needed six receptions to reach 100 on the year. His over-under in the game was five and a half. Got eight to earn one and a half mil. Marvin Jones for the Jags needed four catches for 500K. His prop was three and a half. That goes Um, AJ Green needed 75 yards for 250,000. That one unfortunately did not come home. With week 18 in the books and the season ending, of course we know how that affects our NFL head coaching carousel and GM firings. The Vikings fired Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman this morning, Bears head coach. Uh, Matt Nagy and GM Ryan Pace are out as well. And then in a surprise move, the Dolphins firing Brian Flores despite his team winning eight of their last nine games. Trey Wingo will be our guest midway through the hour. Very interested to get his take on this move. The Broncos parted ways with Vic Fangio over the weekend as well after a third straight losing season. Speculation remains about the futures of Pete Carroll, David Pulley, and Joe Judge, although Josina Anderson reported today the Giants will be, quote, staying with Judge. And Dave Gettleman has reportedly informed some people in the building that he plans to retire Panthers head coach Matt rule is expected to be back despite going 2 and 12 their final 14 games of the season. Warriors guard Klay Thompson played in an NBA game last night for the first time in 941 days. It was a fantastic atmosphere. He put up 17 points in 21 minutes of action during Golden State's 96-82 win over the Cavs. Thompson's return comes at a pretty good time, too. Warriors in a dead heat for first place in the West. Golden State and the Suns both 30-9 on the year. Uh, The Warriors plus 225 favorites right now to win the Western Conference. Plus 475 for the championship behind the Nets at plus 245. They'll be at Memphis tomorrow to start a four-game road trip, which includes games against the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks and Central Division leading Chicago Bulls. Wow, lots of news, lots of news. I tried to tell you. Really good stuff, though. Uh, I wanted to make sure we get into some of these wild card weekend games with all of the seedings officially set. We can start in the AFC um, with the outpouring of what happened in last night's Sunday night football game. The Raiders will now be the five seed taking on the four seed Bengals. They're the first game on Saturday at 430 Eastern um, with the win. Um, they avoid, so one of the things that we heard on the broadcast was if the tie, obviously, the Raiders and Chargers would both get in. And if there was a tie, the Raiders would have had to play Kansas City in the 7-2. Um, fortunately, they avoid that, not like the Bengals are, you know, necessarily the best potential matchup for them. Had a 32-13 to Week 11 loss um, to Cincinnati earlier this year. The thing that I worry about with the Raiders in this spot, short week, after an emotional win to to make the playoffs and you're taking on Joe Burrow as I said earlier six point dogs in Cincinnati Bengals are as scary as anyone I think their win over Kansas City showed you that um, Cincinnati on a three game win streak of their own Raiders on a four game win streak now that they take into the postseason. Um, but Bengals, very interesting team. I think the total could be in play for this one as well. Just looking at some of the trends with both of these teams. Eight of the Bengals last nine home games hit the over and Vegas has gone over the number in three of their last five. Just some initial thoughts on that game. Patriots at the Bills in the 6-3 game I think is very fun and interesting. Bills obviously claimed the AFC East title but did not cover his 13-point favorites against the Jets on Sunday. Patriots, meanwhile, ugly loss to the Dolphins. They'll enter the postseason as a wild card team for the first time under bill belichick um these two split in the regular season both teams won on the road um patriots are plus four in this spot and um like i said on the road was the winning team so patriots won in that crazy wind game at, Orch- at orchard park bills bounced back for the 33 21 win at gillette where josh allen had a day three touchdowns and Um, Really, really good game for them. So weather could play a role in this game as well. Not to the wind extent. I think highs are going to be like 9 miles an hour for wind. Um, But you know temperatures are going to be very cold. There's going to be a lot of snow. Um, I think it's a 30 to 40% chance of snow as I look at this now. But Mac Jones looked rough against Miami, you guys. Um, The last rookie, fun fact, to win a playoff game was Russell Wilson in 2012-13 season. But an interesting rematch. These division games are crazy. Um, Of course, we are going to have that in the NFC side of things as well. Um, Moving on. Steelers at the Chiefs. I mean, Kansas City's on a tear right now. The defense might be playing its best football of the season. It's bad news for Big Ben and company, but what an incredible way for the Steelers to make the postseason. They're plus 12 and a half at Arrowhead. Total in this game, 46 as of right now. Just incredible that they made it here to begin with, especially after all season, we were like, is this going to be Mike Tomlin's first losing season? Absolutely not. They make it to the postseason in what everybody believes to be Big Ben's final year. Unfortunately, they're going to get blown out by the Chiefs. <laughs> I don't think that that would shock anybody. This is for, for the most part, as I look at all of the games wildcard weekend, I think they all have potential. To be really competitive, I'm gonna like a lot of underdogs uh, when it comes to these games. That ain't one of them. Uh, Titans earn the top seed in the AFC with their three-point win over the Texans. Derrick Henry expected to be back for the playoffs, so they have the first-round bye. As do the Packers on the NFC side. As we turn our focus there, the seven-two in the NFC is going to be Eagles. Taking on the Bucs, Bucs eight and a half point favorites total and that one, 49 and a half on Sunday in the 1 p.m. Eastern time slot on Fox. Um, I know the defending champs look a little off due in large part to that offensive attrition. We've seen star player injuries. We know the AB saga, even as I say that a team that finished with seven wins in their last eight games, franchise record 13 wins on the year. NFC South title. I do not think, again, this is another one of those games where I don't think the underdog has the potential upset shot here. Um, This one and the the Chiefs-Steelers game are kind of the two that I just don't see it. All the rest of them, I think, could be really competitive. Um, Eagles did gain a lot of momentum at the end of the year, um, but their level of competition they were playing certainly helped out with that. Three teams, 500 or better, that they've played on their schedule, they were one and two in those games. Um, Hurts' first playoff game, Against the defense, that will be tough. Um, he'll be forced to throw the ball. Eagles are a running offense, but the Bucs' run-stopping defense is just as good as they could be offensively. 49ers-Cowboys in the 6-3. My favorite game by far, as you all know. For, I'm a huge 49ers fan. They beat the Rams for the sixth straight meeting yesterday to earn this postseason burst. So LA then falls from a potential 2-seed down to the 4. So they're going to play... The Cardinals, um, but despite that loss, still claimed the NFC West title. Um, very cool. Those two will meet up wildcard weekend. I just love the 49ers taking the point, getting the points in this spot. Played me- mediocre all season long, but they're coming alive at the right time, getting healthier. Jimmy G pushing through. How about Devo Samuel? I can't get enough. Um, we'll talk more about that as we go. Green Bay, as I said, getting the bye early. We're going to come back in a little bit with Jimmy Carroll and Vinny Maiulo, talk about the craziness of Week 18 and where the money is going a little bit deeper in tow for the college football playoff game tonight. Plus fill in the blank. Don't miss it. More My Guys after the break.
1: to my guys of the desert with stormy Bon on v sin the sports betting network
2: bringing you back here on my guys in the desert remember if you miss any part of our show or anything on the Vsin schedule today don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your convenience schedule go to vsincom slash podcast you get this show my guys in the desert beating the book with Gil alexander or market insights with josh applebaum plus we've got hardwood handicappers at lombardi line follow the money coast to coast hoops the whole shebang. They're all free and available right now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stormy Bonantoni with you here. Uh, time for fill in the blank. So our wonderful vcin producer Stephanie Kamershack has found me a couple of headlines. I'm going to fill in the blank how I feel about them with a statement. Cam Newton says he's open to being the backup for a winning team in 2022 but added, I'm not coming back for no 5-12. and 12. If it's about winning, I'm with it. So fill in the blank. Next season, Cam Newton will be blank. I think either out of the league or a package-only quarterback. Uh, I know he still believes that he can play and he can play at a high level, but I think with the personality that he has, it's very dominating. Um, If he is in a quarterback room, it could be a little bit more mentally draining to the starter than you need it to be. He does have bursts of greatness, though, so if you want to utilize him, get him for a red zone package and use him in that way. Dolphins owner Steven Ross said he will not try to hire Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh after firing Brian Flores, saying, I'm not going to be the person to take Jim Harbaugh away from the University of Michigan. Bill in the blank. Next season, Jim Harbaugh will be the coach of blank. The Miami Miami Dolphins. No, just kidding. Uh, Interesting statement, though. Obviously, Ross's ties to Michigan. I think he'll be the coach of either the Raiders or the Bears. I do think he leaves Ann Arbor. Those rumors about the NFL don't come out just for nothing. Uh, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley said last night of his oddly timed timeout, it was all about making a personnel substitution. Said, we feel like we were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, make that substitution so we could get a play where we could deepen the field goal. Fill in the blank. The Chargers timeout call was, to me, season determining. Versace and Carr both said post game all the right things about wanting to win the game, but uh, also admitted that the change with the timeout changed their thinking about kicking the field goal. Just saying. Time to welcome in our guys, Jimmy Vaccaro, Vinny Maulo, down at the South Point. Hey, okay, so obviously we know everything that was determined with the potential tie. Vinnie, Jimmy, were you guys um, dealing with the same sweat as everybody else was with the tie? Did you guys have that <laughs> lingering?
1: Well, two things. First of all, young lady, good to see you. What a weekend that it was. But, you know, I, I checked my mail this morning with everybody getting fired. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get fired this morning, too. <laughs> And then uh, DraftKings said that I can't go to the spa more than two times anymore in one day, and I can't use the valet parking. And one more thing. I was listening to a guy that you know very well, a guy named Brent Musburger. He I've was doing of- the end of the game yesterday, and he was jumping up and down, and we're on our way to Cincinnati. It sounded like a great broadcaster like he is, but it also sounds like a guy who had to Raider money Moneyline ticket in his pocket. <laughs> Jack, hence God the baby. original.
3: Hence the original guys in the desert.
1: Hello, Stormy. There well, Stormy, we I've go. been Chance. I'll just quickly say what a weekend that it was. I mean, obviously, we're very fortunate to be involved in these type of things, and and what you saw yesterday may be one of the greatest games ever played. Uh, we broke even on Saturday. Had a real nice day yesterday. Would have lost uh, naturally if it would have taken the knee. But you know what? The biggest game of uh, Sunday was for us, so we picked up about eighty thousand. Was the 16 and a half, and the, uh, they, the, whatever it was, they blew the game comes 17. Bills, the Bills yeah, Jets. The, the Bills Jets. And it was a monster, monster game. Everything was like back and forth. Like when you look at things and say, how could that be? Well, naturally, uh, a one ticket, a guy, but 50,000 plus, uh, plus the 16 and a half. So we did escape there. But like I'm saying, what a weekend. We did well overall. But like, and we only, when we got tonight, another great game.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Week 18 was a wild one. I'm glad you brought it up tonight because I was curious with all of the action that we had for week 18. There's not as much buildup I feel like to the college football playoff national championship game we've got tonight and it's two very familiar faces in Georgia and Alabama. How does the week 18 slate affect the betting for tonight's national championship?
3: Normie, it's actually just surprisingly and Nicely, this game, this will be bigger than a regular Monday night football game for a couple of reasons. Let's remember this, that this game has been up now for over a week and a half. So what you have going to it is not only the action for today. And again, 85, 90% of the action is coming in today, right? And we've still got several hours. But let's remember this. You have week 17 NFL games going to this game. Week 18 NFL games going to this game. Oh, and by the way, Jimmy, with six... Uh, playoff games next week. Oh. Tonight gets those jump started too. So I'm going to say that it's as big, if a uh, bigger uh, than a normal Monday night football game.
1: Yes, much bigger, but obviously I think it would have been better off if it were last Friday heading into the weekend, yeah. Yeah. but it wasn't. And you know, like bookmakers and Vincennes was talking earlier with uh, with me and Chris, uh, the wild card weekend is monster. Why? Because it's not an overwhelming thousands of people but i'm telling you the way it's broken down with the mm-hmm. the one the two the three then the one uh you just keep building interest the entire weekend and naturally the way that some of these games have been played and still people trying to understand who the hell is going to play who after the bye weeks and whatever but uh yes it did turn out well and i love the wild card weekend only because of the way that it's set up so what can i tell you
2: Certainly no lack of drama when it came to seeding for Wild Card weekend. Uh, should be some fun matchups. I wanted to continue though with this with the National Championship game coming up tonight. I know last week when we talked to you a lot of money was coming in on Alabama money line. Now that it is the day of the game, is that still where we're seeing the majority of tickets and cash come in?
1: Yeah, but you know what uh, our our friend uh, Mr. Mattress Mack who we obviously <laughs> dealt with when when there wasn't uh, betting in the, on on all the states, it was passed. I think uh, a few years ago, and he used to come here. Naturally, we would give him between 100 and 300 thousand. Now he's stepped it up, betting a million dollars on the money line. But he's good for business, and and I enjoy I enjoy the man for a lot of different reasons. But on our side, you know, we're a little the engine that could, but like we do pretty good. Uh, we we took a hundred thousand dollar bet on Georgia minus the uh, two and a half uh, early last night. So, and I'm sure with a few more hours ago, we might hit a. Couple more, but 100,000 on Georgia minus two and a half, and that's why so far I think we've been at, at three for a while now.
3: Yeah, and then uh, Chris Andrews, our director here, Stormy went to a 10 cent straddle on the money line. So right now, a dollar 33 uh, minus 133 on Georgia, plus 123 on Alabama. So uh, you know, if you're shopping for a price uh, with a 10 cent straddle, there's a lot of value there. It did open at minus 140. So more money coming in. Jimmy had predicted uh, accurately that uh, there'll be you know more on, in terms of the money line more action on alabama than on georgia the total hole uh right now up to uh 53 off the 52 opener what we don't want from our side of the counter is obviously the game to fall three right Mm because they're taking three laying two and a half uh but again a full sheet of props on the game as well and uh you know we're treating this game uh more and more like uh like an nfl playoff game
2: yeah vinnie i was gonna say let's get into that what's on the wagering menu for the national championship tonight
3: well, you've got the exacta. Chris Andrews uh, uh, put us uh, put us in a nice spot here with the exact. You could pick the exact outcome uh, of the NFL championship. So, which team, right, Jimmy? You think is going to beat uh, which team in uh, in in the Super Bowl? So, you pick the exact winner against the exact opponent in the Super Bowl. And of course, Jimmy, uh, just the start of things here yeah. with uh, with the uh, the uh, the six games. Three, uh, two on Saturday three on Sunday and then one on Monday spaced nicely.
1: You know, it draws a lot of tickets, not a lot of big play, but a lot of tickets. People like to put the alternate point spreads. In other words, like you can, you're going to lay seven and a half, uh, you know, with Alabama, you're going to get a big plus price. Right. I think Chris put four or six of those up there. So anytime there's something that attracts attention, anytime there's something, the most important thing is it's like the straddles are fair. You know, it's basically still like a 20 cent line on that. So when you do things like that, people do pick up on it and let's call it like it is also. Year after year, people are getting more savvy with the way that they bet and how they're betting and who they're betting into and what fair price are they receiving.
3: You know, one of the other things, Stormy, that's going to take off this week too is folks looking at futures, right? Uh, and, you know, because there's a, a new future book up, right, of the teams that have uh, uh, gone to the postseason. So uh, and there's a couple of ways to look at it. If you're a bettor, do you have a position on a uh, on a team or any teams in terms of the futures? And then see if you're interested in that. Uh, from our side of the counter, how are we going to handle it? Well, we're going to see where we stand, what kind of a position we're in, uh, and adjust the prices accordingly. We may want to attract more money on a particular team than you know we normally would. The Raiders, for instance, as we've talked about, uh, a little bit of exposure for the uh, in the future book uh, for the Raiders. And in fact, uh, you could have got the Raiders a month ago when it looked like they were they weren't going to make the postseason. Uh, as high as 150 to 1. So you want to look at it and then make a determination as a better two. Do I get involved in the future book or do I just roll them over from game to game one particular team?
1: Well, naturally, we t- people talk about rolling it over, but that means you got to be here every week till like I keep rolling. So that's why that mm-hmm. 99% of the money in the future is bet like from a one shot, and then you go from there. Uh, now, there are some professionals yep. who you consider people who understand the racket. It's quite different. But if you're just in town for the weekend, you're going to bet uh, you know, the Raiders to win it all. You're just going to get that ticket and go home.
2: Really good stuff, fellas. Jimmy, I'm sorry you can't get as many massages as you'd like. Appreciate the time. <laughs>
3: Let's get management on the phone, Jimmy.
1: Hey, you know, hey, Stormy, you can be my agent, kid. Believe me. <laughs> I'll
2: see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. That's Jimmy Vaccaro and Vinny Maiulo over at the South Point. When we come back here on My Guys in the Desert, longtime national sports broadcaster Trey Wingo will give us his perspective on the NFL upcoming Wild Card weekend and be better. Did they or didn't they get better? We'll see.
1: to my guys in the desert with stormy bonantoni on v the sports betting network
2: Welcome back to my guys in the desert. This segment brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no spit cups, no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke free, spit free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and more. Plus for your convenience, every variety now comes in two strengths. so You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, so it's never been easier to find your Zinn, head on over to zin.com find to locate a store near you that's zyn.com f-i-n-d warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical Rolling along here every week on the program we challenge different nfl teams or players to be better so now we're going to update did they or didn't they from the final week of the nfl regular season starting with our guy taylor heineke and that's a no for me dog 122-7, 122-7, to seven, so congrats on your incentive money, but the win was due far more to the ineptitude of the New York Giants than anything you did, pal. 9 of 18, 120 yards, no touchdown, no interceptions, and a fumble. Carson Wentz, number two here. I don't even have words. No words, not even close. And against the Jacksonville Jaguars, come on. 17 of 29 for 185 pass yards, 139 adjusted for yards lost on six sacks. And down 13-3, Wentz goes fumble, three and out, interception in the third quarter. Hence why social media is all over us right now, reminding us the trade details. Eagles in the playoffs, and Indy is out crazy. Last one on our Be Better, the San Francisco 49ers, and that's what I'm talking about, baby. From down 17-0 to a comeback 27-24 win in overtime. Debo Samuel is not a wide receiver. Just give him the title of athlete. He is doing it all. The offense for San Francisco couldn't be stopped in the second half and defensively five sacks, 13 quarterback hits, two interceptions, Sixth straight win for Kyle Shanahan against McVay. That is not luck, my friends. Where we are having a little bit of luck is here on the program somehow getting tremendous guests today. So we continue our NFL conversation with longtime national sports broadcaster Trey Wingo doing great work right now with Caesar Sportsbook, Pro Football Network, and of course, as the host of Half Forgotten History. Trey, thank you so much for coming on with us, especially from Hawaii, I hear. So you're working hard, but from the lap of luxury.
4: Stormy Mahalo and uh, Aloha. And yes, it's fun to do podcasts from the Lanai. We just taped one with Hall of Famer, Eric Dickerson today. And before I could even get started, he's like, where are you? I hear birds chirping and I had to explain to him where I was. And he's like, okay, I'm coming out. I said, fine, you come out and I'll head to your place in Calabasas for a week and we'll call it even.
2: That's perfect. That's how you do it. That's how you lock it up. Uh, By the way, season six, starting up this week, uh, the first episode dropping on Thursday. What can some people expect of the new season?
4: Well, it's going to be great. we got a bunch of Hall of Famers um, and uh, a bunch of guys that have had really strong careers and a bunch of Hall of Fame candidates. Uh, and I, listen, I, this is like a, a quirky little nerdy thing for me. We also did a, a podcast with just three kickers, uh, Jay Feely, Lawrence Tynes, and current Niners kicker Robbie Gold talking about the pressure of being a kicker, especially in the postseason, because everyone just expects you to go out there and make it. There's no other, there's no other position in football where you're supposed to be right 100% of the time, yet the kickers have that moniker. And it was a really fun conversation with those three, talking about the art of the game, where they like to kick, where they hate to kick and the intensity and the pressure of the playoffs as opposed to the regular season.
2: No doubt, and I mean, Robbie Gold, for example, had to have a game sealer uh, this past week uh, in a crazy game. How did you unpack all that was just the madness of week 18 and then it coming down to maybe the most gripping game all year with Raiders Chargers last night on Sunday Night Football?
4: That might've been the craziest day in a regular season in the NFL that I've ever seen. I mean, the Steelers, I think, had an 8% chance To make it to the postseason, everything had to fall right for them. They had to find a way to win with an offense. Let's be honest. I mean, the Steelers' offense could use a laxative this year. They really need to get going. And they found a way to get it done in Baltimore. Uh, And then for Jacksonville, Jacksonville to take down frickin' uh, uh, Indianapolis. And then we had the crazy scenario in the Sunday night game where It looked like for the longest time the tie was going to be the thing and they would both get in and knock the Steelers out. The Chargers converted six fourth downs in that game to keep that game alive, including a fourth and 21. It was insane
2: absolutely insane and the penalties for the chargers too, just time and time again but the fact that the tie was in play I mean sports books were sweating freaking out millions of dollars <laughs> on the line crazy uh, but now for the Raiders uh, moving on instead of the Steelers they're going to play the Bengals and wild card weekend um, obviously lost to them earlier in the regular season but a better matchup no doubt than Kansas City who they got blown out by twice in the regular season yeah. but given the short week a very emotional game to make the postseason. <clears throat> How do you think they could stack up as six point dogs against Cincy?
4: It's going to be tough. I mean, we talked about the offense. It's been pretty anemic for a long time this season for Pittsburgh. And I just, you're going up against a team that may have the best young set of skill, skill position players in the NFL, all under the age of 25. When we're talking about Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, uh, Jamar Chase, or 25 or younger, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. That's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to Steelers going to, I mean, the, the, the Raiders 100%. going to have to find a way to have points. You know, you, you're going to have to score.
2: Yeah, we'll see if if Derek Carr can ultimately lead them to victory. Uh, His connection with Hunter Renfro the back half of the season has been a lot of fun to watch. But for as many surprises as we talked about there being yesterday, we woke up to one this morning as well with the Dolphins ultimately eliminating Brian Flores as their head coach. How did you kind of take in that news? I know I was extremely surprised.
4: Yeah, it makes no sense to me, right? I just don't understand. He has 19 wins over the last two seasons. How is that not good enough um, in a, for, a, you know, but, but, but let's just take it one step further. I get it. They started one and seven, but they didn't, they didn't fold like the whole thing. Yeah. They ended it, winning eight of
2: nine, going, right?
4: <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I mean, you, you want a team that battles back. You want a team that doesn't quit on their coach. And you, you can see some of the, the tweets coming out here from former dolphin or current Dolphin players about it. They're not happy about it. And I, I explain to me how you fire the coach who got them to where they are. And the GM, who I get it, has been in the organization for 20 years, was the one that chose to uh, over Justin Herbert, was the one that chose to make that trade with the Eagles that allowed them to get the player they wanted and, and move up six, six spots in the draft. I, it's just, Brian Flores is going to be a head coach in the NFL, and he's going to be a head coach in the NFL very quickly, in my opinion. I, I, it was a stunner to me. It's almost as stunning as Joe Judge still having a job.
2: Well, that's okay. So as we go around the the notable firings now after week 18, Mike Zimmer also out, uh, Matt Nagy out, Vic Fangio with the Broncos. But then, yeah, Joe Judge still has a job as of right now, at least with the Giants. What do you make? So apparently, like, he's staying, but there's conversations to be had. Gettleman is going to retire potentially. What do you make of that situation?
4: Well, the word staying is a really relative term, right? Like, he's staying right now. Is he staying when the new GM comes in? Because I'm going to find it hard to believe that a new Giants general manager, looking at the performance of that team, and some of the crazy things that Joe Judge has said over the last couple of weeks, you know, people who are making more money here want to come back. Ooh, name that person. You know, you, If you want to throw that card, then show me who that person is. Because I don't believe you. I don't. Like, why would someone want to come back to that organization right now? I said this last year when people were praising Joe Judge you know, for having the Giants in it. They were only in it because the NFC East was terrible. Like, What did they win, six games last year? Mm-hmm. I think mean, that was the only reason they were in it because it wasn't a team above 500. So I thought Joe Judge's initial season was judged very differently because of the circumstances around the hire and around the season. And they finished the, – the Giants are dead last in the last two years in points per game yards per game and red zone efficiency that's just not going to cut it anywhere so when I hear he's staying that's that to me is not like he stays that means he's staying until we find a general manager who'll probably come in and say can't work with this need to do better so we'll see
2: yeah can't w- see you later sorry about that um, are there any of the wild card games though coming up next week that really stood out to you as maybe the most intriguing options out there
4: well listen you're talking to a guy that's been in the, been following this game for a while. And the idea of the Cowboys and Niners playing like for, for an entire decade, that was the game of the year. You know, the Cowboys of the nineties against the Niners of the nineties. And I, you know, San Francisco has found their mojo they found a way to get things going. And the Cowboys, they may be the most bipolar team in football, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they have a 56 point output against the Washington football team where they tie a franchise record with eight touchdowns. And then they follow that up with an inexplicable loss to Arizona, who doesn't have their best running back nor their best wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. And I get it, Arizona's, uh, you know, had a good season, but they were limited in that game. The Cowboys should have won that game. Then they follow that up against the B League Eagles with another fifty-one fifty burger that they put out there. The Cowboys, to me, are the team that I don't know which team's showing up either week. Mm-hmm. When they're on, when they're on they could be as good as anybody. So their ceiling is really high, but their floor is also really low.
2: Yeah, and I love that the 49ers beat the Rams to get to that game against the Cowboys. Just so fun. Uh, Thank you so much, Trey, for the time. We appreciate it. Again, make sure you check out episode one of season six of Half Forgotten History that's coming out this Thursday. When we come back, my picks for the national championship game and Stuart Mandel joins the show.
1: guys of the desert with Stormy Bon Tony on Vsend the sports betting network
2: if you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, BetRivers Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of Citycasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There's Citycasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and now Washington, D.C. You can subscribe to your local Citycast wherever you get your podcasts. Wrapping things up here live from Las Vegas, Circus Sportsbook in downtown Las Vegas, Stormy Bond and Tony with you here with my final picks of the day in Taken by Storm. Um, Uh, for the national championship game coming up tonight. Alabama taking on the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia favored by three, and I am all in on the tide. I bet them plus three. I bet a money line plus 130. I have since doubled down on each of those bets as well. Um, Another prop that I really like tonight as well, Bryce Young over two and a half passing touchdowns at plus money, plus 120. He's had three or more touchdowns in four of their last five games, including the SEC title game, and 10 of their 14 this season. I'm not saying he's bound for another 420-yard record-setting passing day, but when the tide puts up points, it's through the air. Um, I like all the plus money I could get on Alabama. All things. We'll see if our guest thinks that uh, I'm on the right track or off my rocker here as we welcome in Stuart Mandel, national writer for The Athletic, one of the great college football insiders. He's in Indy covering the game tonight. How are you, Stuart?
0: Great, Stormy. How are you?
2: Great, thank you. Priority number one, did you have the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's upon arrival?
0: You know, I did not manage to get a reservation at St. Elmo. Um, Less known, though, is the Deli Shapiro's in Indianapolis. Best deli outside of New York City. And I went there. That was my first meal here.
2: Ooh, holler at it. Good to know, given the shout out. I just always, I always wonder, cause the first time I went to Indy for the combine, um, we went to St. Elmo's and I was one of those people that got tricked with the shrimp cocktail, not knowing the level of spice it was. So <laughs> if that's happened to you before, I, I, I hope that I can you can picture feel my the pain.
0: look on your face on that moment,
2: yeah. <laughs> not ideal, not ideal, but hey, Coming into this game, obviously the the massive championship game coming up tonight between the two top teams in the country, the two top teams in the SEC. How do you think this one plays out?
0: It's how do I think it will play out and how it probably will play out, right? I have talked myself into Georgia. Uh, You know, if you talk to coaches who have played these teams, the fact is they think Georgia is better at most positions on the field. Unfortunately for them, one where there's a big gap is at quarterback obviously and so Mm -hmm. obviously in the first matchup bryce young shredded georgia's defense um i think that was a bad night at the office for georgia i don't think that's going to happen again um you know but i'm picking against bama in my experience when you pick against bama they end up making you look really dumb uh but it just feels like this is meant to be georgia's year you know alabama's been here a lot georgia if they don't do it now, when?
1: Yeah,
2: and I completely understand the mindset. Honestly, it gives me pause how high I've been on Alabama that so much of the public has been on it as well. I'm curious from your perspective, for Nick Saban, we all know his record against former assistant coaches, against Kirby Smart in particular, 4-0. Is there any stock worth putting into that specifically, or is that just kind of a trend that's Naturally occurred over the years and not something you should really think too far into.
0: I mean, I think the interesting thing with Nick and Kirby is that the first two games, right, the the infamous second and twenty-six game and the and the SEC title game where Jalen Hurts came off the bench were down to the wire games where a couple of questionable game decisions by Kirby Smart may have cost Georgia the game. The two since then have not been particularly close. So the idea that like Alabama's, you know, Nick Ravens, Nick Saban is. You know, living rent-free in his head, uh, I don't think was the reason for these past two losses. So, if I'm Georgia, I really hope we, you know, you win and you win comfortably. If it's going to be another one of these games that goes down to the last second, at the end of the day, Nick Saban's track record in these kind of games is is second to none. Kirby has yet to prove he can do it, but um, he's got the talent. They, they, you know, they're in one of these situations where when you have, when you recruit that well that many years in a row, you're going to break through at
2: some point. Mm -hmm. And like you said, with that SEC championship game, it was one of those bad days at the office, right? They hadn't allowed more than 17 points as a defense all season long to that point. Uh, It was definitely an anomaly on the schedule. Um, I know one of the things for Alabama that betters, at least for my perspective as somebody who did bet on the Tide, is reason for pause is the injured secondary. Um, Do you think that that opens up the door for anybody, specifically for Stetson Bennett, to get the ball out to tonight?
0: You know, Stetson Bennett's um, main target, obviously, most of the season has been Brock Bowers, their tight end, who's such a matchup problem. Um, George Pickens is back from injury after being out most of the season. Hasn't really, you know, didn't have that much of an impact yet. Is this the game where we, we finally see? Because when he was playing last the two, first two years healthy, he was always one of the best receivers on the field. Could this be the night that he possibly breaks out? That's certainly a possibility.
2: Yeah, no doubt, and because he did mention the freshman tight end, Brock Bowers, by the way, for anyone betting props tonight, his over-under 69-and-a-half. Um, running back, James Cook, Dalvin's brother, was pretty effective in the receiving game in that semifinal, four catches for 112 yards against Michigan. Do you think that he gets loose a little bit?
0: I think that uh, Todd Monk their offensive coordinator does a really good job of being creative and finding different ways to get guys the ball, and he, you know, also in the Michigan game, uh, in the semis, was as effective probably even more effective as a pass catcher than he is as a runner uh this is going to be a fascinating chess match because you know both coaches are already probably um anticipating what the other one is going to do differently from the last game and 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 make so making so for you you know you asked me is that going to happen again probably not because nick saban's probably already made some sort of adjustment to that but then kirby's probably made some sort of adjustment on top of that. That's why it's so hard to forecast these rematch games.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Um, and Alabama, not used to being an underdog. They're 5-1 straight up and against the number as an underdog since 2018. But as we always say, streaks are meant to be broken. Eventually, these things do change. The one position, though, you said early on that Alabama does have the edge is certainly a quarterback with Bryce Young. Um, how do you ultimately combat a guy like that defensively? You know they learned their lesson. It's hard to beat a team twice. Um, but how, how does Georgia combat a guy like Bryce Young and all of his abilities?
0: Yeah, they've got to uh, get better pressure on him. They got no pressure on him in the last game. And they just got to take an entirely different approach. You know, The teams that have had success, like Auburn, for instance, um, rattling Bryce Young are the kind of defenses that have a lot of disguised blitzes and are very creative and make it difficult for the offensive lineman to tell who's coming on what play. Georgia is more of a usually is more of a straight up. We're rushing for our four are better than yours, and that just did not work uh, in the SEC title game. Alabama is too talented. So they're going to have to be a lot more creative in this game. Alabama's offensive line has not been great for most of the season. They played their best game of the year, um, or the best two games of the year, the last two games. So uh, if they keep the pocket clean for Bryce Young. Forget my uh, pick. He, he will have another big game. He's the highest of winner for a reason. I do think there's, you know, that Georgia front seven is so talented. Those guys are all going to go to the NFL. I find it hard to believe they won't be able to get into the backfield a little bit tonight.
2: What are you feeling in terms of interest for this game tonight? I know we continue to see the same teams, the same powers in this position year in and year out, but I feel like there's excitement coming into it. What's kind of the buzz that you feel around this game?
0: Um, you know, I think, judging by tweets I get, comments on my stories, you know, it's a lot of, I'm not going to watch that. I don't care about that. I don't want to see these teams play again. Um, but I would remind people that when they played in 2017, it was one of the all-time classic endings, the mm-hmm. Tua uh, uh, 41-yard touchdown pass. And then the TV ratings came out, and they were and they were tremendous. So I think it will entirely depend on, is it a good game? Because, let's face it, the idea of Georgia – not only winning its first national title in 41 years, but doing so with a walk on quarterback
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, is a phenomenal story if they can make it happen. So I think if it's close and down to the wire, people will be invested. If it's another Alabama 41 uh, 14 kind of game, you know, turn, everybody will turn off their TVs and see what's on Netflix.
2: Well, I know we are all college football junkies, so we'll be tuned in. Hopefully it's a fun one tonight. George again favored by three. Before I let you go, we got about 30 seconds with you, but news today, the Jackson Dart entered the transfer portal, the USC freshman quarterback. Is that all the sign we need that Caleb Williams is going to be a Trojan?
0: Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams, first he had the, what, the Instagram picture last night from the Rams game. Then this news, I think, uh, all signs are indicating that he's going to be at USC, and we also found out today ETR is going back to UCLA for another year. So, it could be a really interesting um, season in LA.
2: Some fun Pac-12 after dark games, no doubt, Stuart. You'll
0: be there. You'll be there. I know you will. <laughs>
2: you know it. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it, and have fun tonight, Nindy. That's Stuart Mandel of The Athletic. Uh, that's going to do it for us today on My Guys in the Desert, but make sure you tune in to ESPN tonight for the college football playoff national championship game, Georgia-Alabama going head-to-head. Thanks again to Stuart for um, all the great insight into that game. Again, my final picks are I did Alabama plus three, Alabama money line at plus 130, and I like Bryce Young over at the two-and-a-half passing touchdowns at plus 120. You can get all of those in multiple books right now. If you like it. Although Stewart thinks it's Georgia, I don't know. We'll see. I like another SEC championship game final. That would be great. Danny Burke and Rush Hour coming up next. Keep it locked on Visa and the Sports Betting Network.